Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, joined by one of my main men, and it's <laughs> probably not the guy that you're expecting. I think this might be the first time we've ever recorded a podcast without Max. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah, so we don't have Max this week, which is definitely a weird thing. I don't think I've ever done a two-person podcast before because usually it's always me that's bailing, yep. <laughs> which, is, which is good. So I'm super happy. Not that Max isn't here. That sucks, obviously. <laughs> but I'm super happy that I can cover for Max. That's, that's, I'm excited about that. However, we do wish the Max the best. He's spending time with his family right now, which is super important. So we're not mad at him at all, except a lot. So <laughs> yeah, and you guys better get used to the two-person podcast because sadly I'm leaving town. I gotta gotta get out, and I will not be here for the next two weeks. So you will, you'll get a, a Jonathan Max special for the next two weeks, and it'll probably it'll probably honestly be better than any podcast we've ever recorded before. I'll probably get back, and they'll inform me that they have made the decision to kick me off the podcast because of how successful it's been over the yes. last two weeks. The talks have already started. Um, paperwork is being filed as we speak. I'm not gonna lie. When you first started that sentence, it really sounded like you guys are gonna have to get used to the two man podcast because I'm quitting. Like God's <laughs> taking me other places in life. Like that's what it sounded like. That your tone was taking in that direction. Now Christian's only gonna be gone for two weeks. Don't worry yeah. about it, folks. Two weeks. Do I at least get like a, a little stipend or something when you fire me? Um, there might be a one week severance card that comes to you in the mail that just says thanks for your service it's it's not going to be any monetary oh. donation yeah well that, that means i get one week's worth of pay from the podcast that's true yeah <laughs> it'll be a nice little card with a smiley face on it that says thanks all right well i'm kind of disappointed that jonathan waited until we hit the record button to fire me but i guess that everybody uh got to hear it <laughs> live and in person <laughs> Yikes. <So. laughs> No, but all jokes aside, uh, we're really excited for this week's podcast. This is uh, Philippians 4, which we were planning on getting to last week, uh, verses 10 through 13. But we ended up having the surprise marriage podcast last week. So we're going to dive into Philippians 4, 10 through 13, which is really rich, really awesome. Uh, But before that, how was your week this week? Oh, my week. Okay, so my week was pretty good. Uh, It's pretty standard week, I would say. Um, Except for the fact that sports like ramped up this week because it's going to be even worse next week. Um, I joined two intramural basketball teams while also playing on the club volleyball team. And then I got like injured in one of the basketball games. It's like a muscle contusion. Somebody like need me in the leg. Um, and then, so that happened on Tuesday night. So I got like a muscle contusion in my quad and it was just one of those things where you wake up the next morning and you're like bruised, like it's slightly sore and I'm like, I'm fine, chilling. So then I go played went to volleyball practice for two hours then had an intramural basketball game after that for an hour and then we decided to play a two-on-two after that for no reason and then i got home took a shower hopped out of the shower and then my entire quad muscle just like seized up it just locked and i was like steglegging it around for the rest of the night and somewhat of the next day so i was like okay we're gonna take a rest for a little bit and hopefully we'll be back next week but i'm supposed to be going snowboarding tonight so i'm like okay maybe i'll just eat ibuprofen like cereal and see how it goes but (laughs) so that was my week was kind of like more active i guess yeah 
Yeah, well, my week is not nearly as exciting. Uh, preparing for my trip, I've been doing three weeks worth of homework in one week. So yes. yesterday I spent like <laughs> eight hours doing homework, and today I'm going to spend another eight hours doing homework just to make sure that I can get everything out of the way, uh, so I can I can be free and ready to go. And I was I was explaining to Jonathan just now that uh, one of my weaknesses when it comes to finishing homework assignments is creativity. Yeah. Uh, I had four of the same assignment to do, and I had to I had to do them slightly differently. And then I went to go turn them in. And on the assignment portal where you turn it in, the professor said, make sure that each one of these looks completely differently and is creative in its own right. And I looked at all four of the assignments that I had just completed. And all of them were like the same template with different words to fulfill the requirements. And then I realized that I was going to have to redo them all. So luckily (laughs) at a seminary, there's not too many creative requirements, Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) there are some. So I have to get that. have to get that done. But uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, this is, it's going to be a good one. Um, it's funny that I, t- I talked to my mom, Christian, about last week's podcast. She was like, it was really interesting hearing you guys talk about marriage from a very non-marriage perspective, <laughs> coming from her perspective, being married for 25 plus years or whatever it is now. So uh, I hope, uh, I'm glad that the word was preached uh, and that we stuck to the Bible as much as we could because you're right, she's right. Uh, we have no experience in marriage. So everything we said last week, just go back to the Bible and see if it's true. And yeah, go from there. So there's one to say that real quick. It's kind of funny, but I'm glad that we did it. It was really interesting that the Lord took it in that direction because we really were not planning that at all last week. Yep. But we're going to hop into Philippians 4, 10 through 13 today. And I want to preface this by by saying that Philippians 4, 13 gets quoted often but it gets quoted out of context often. So one of the things I want us to focus on today is even as we're going through 10, 11, 12, and uh, or I guess 10, 11, and 12, we want to make sure that we're seeing how this context is pouring into the meaning of 13 because Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is an amazing verse and it's beautiful and has so many um, awesome connotations. But when we take it out of context and try to use it in situations in which it's not supposed to be used, that's when we're actually kind of robbing God's word of its beauty because we're taking away some of the meaning behind it and trying to put it into a context that God did not intended for it to be put into. So as we go through this passage today, I want you guys to keep that in mind, that this passage, the final verse is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want us to just look at this entire passage, understanding that that it's flowing into that final, uh, that final sentence. That's kind of his concluding thought from this section. All right, so we're going to start off the passage in verse 10. And um, this is kind of interesting because Paul, uh, Paul will reference this a lot throughout his, uh, his letters to different churches. And that is something that Jesus also talked about. And it's in terms of physical needs, like your earthly needs. And so he starts at verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And then verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Okay. So we see that that Paul's need there, the physical needs. And going from there, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So um, Paul also talks about this in the, we've, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, because I really like the passage when Paul discusses with the Thessalonians that he reminds them that when, when we came and we were preaching the gospel to you, it wasn't like we came, we preached the gospel to you, and then we asked you for a bunch of missionary donations and we're like hey guys do you mind partnering with us and and you know your one-time donation will 
will change a kid's life. I, I don't know, whatever it was. It, he was like, no, we came to you. We preached the word to you, but we did it in a way that we worked with our own hands day and night so that we would not be a burden to you guys. So that not only would our words reflect the gospel, but our lives would reflect the gospel as well. Um, and Paul is commending the Philippians here because uh, obviously Paul came, he started this church in Philippi and they probably became really, really great friends of uh, Paul with the church. And so obviously the church is, I know like today you can go to any church around the area and they probably, well, hopefully they support missionaries in some part of the world, whether it be here uh, internationally or wherever. Um, and Paul is probably one of their only, maybe only missionaries that is like worldwide missionary, especially in that day. They probably have local missions that they do with the church, but like Paul is probably their main like outward missionary. As far as I know, that's an assumption that I'm going to make. Um, and so they're thinking about this, right? Paul is in prison when he's writing this and they're like, man, we'd love to help Paul, but how do we do that? Like, how do we send Paul help when he's uh, in prison and like, we can't, we can't do anything with him. And that ties in perfectly to Paul is saying, all right, then you guys, you found the opportunity because of Epaphroditus. So they sent Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus brought gifts. They brought, he brought um, earthly things that Paul was probably in need of being in prison. Um, and Epaphroditus visited him. And then we, we went through the whole passage where Epaphroditus came and then Epaphroditus got, got sick. Cause Paul is probably sitting here and like this guy, Epaphroditus comes from the Philipp Philippian church. And Paul's probably ecstatic. He's like, wow, this church is still partnering with me. That's amazing. He's probably ecstatic to see Epaphroditus and catch up with him and see how the Philippians are doing, how the church in Philippi is going. And then Epaphroditus gets sick. And that's probably, that's terrible. And I know people talk about this and we talk about this on the podcast. Um, you might think like, look through Acts, right? Look how many miracles that Paul did in Acts. And I know that like, just kind of the way that I thought when I read the fact that Epaphroditus was sick was like, all right, Paul, just heal him. Like, why can't you just heal him? And clearly there was something more out of that situation that the Lord wanted to teach Paul and probably Epaphroditus. Um, and it was clearly not in the Lord's will for Paul to be the one that healed Epaphroditus. Um, and we can, we can see that there, which is just really interesting that, that like relying on the Lord's will in different situations is, is very, very important. So, but Epaphroditus brought these gifts and Paul is now commenting, 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 comment, geez, gosh, goodness gracious, uh, commenting, that's it, right? Commenting? Yeah, commenting. Commenting on the fact that uh, they sent Epaphroditus and he's saying, this is fantastic that you guys are still supporting me and I want to thank you for that. Um, and you, you had no opportunity before to show your support, but now you found the opportunity. And that's a cool thing. Um, also I want to relate this to, this is a passage that has been on my heart a little bit lately, um, which is James two, uh, 16, which talks about <clears throat> you, uh, taking care of the earthly needs of other people. So I'm actually going to read this passage to you guys. Um, so James two verse 16, I'm going to start in 14, just so you have a little bit of context in the passage. So James says, what good is it? My brothers, if someone says, he has faith, but does not have works. Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and well filled, but doesn't give them anything needed for the body, what good is that? 
So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So this is a very uh, popular passage in scripture. And I, there's lots of controversy behind this in terms of the, well, we know that faith is not a work and that we know that our faith and our uh, establishment in Jesus Christ is not based off works, right? Um, and we can see that in Philippians 2, 9, right? Uh, For it is by grace you have been saved, not by not by works so that no man can boast. But then the following verse talks about how we are called the good works because of our faith. So faith and works, even though faith is not based off works, they work in tandem with each other. And Jesus talked about this when he says, when you see it, uh, you will notice a tree by its fruit, right? For a tree produces good fruit if it's a healthy tree. And that was kind of in conjunction with the fact that if you see a Christian, there will be fruit there. Not always. This is something interesting that I talked about with uh, my, actually talked about with my parents last night about this. Um, This is just kind of interesting food for thought. When Jesus talks about pruning the branches so that there will be more fruit produced in the future, this is just kind of a challenge to our fellow Christians. Because a lot of times, I, I, I do this all the time, actually. You'll see a Christian, especially in school, right? I'm in college. There's lots of different types of people that will probably say they're Christian, right? And you'll and I look at their life and I'll be like, yeah, they're not producing fruit or not based off my perspective, they're not producing fruit. Um, but an interesting thing that I think the Lord kind of like revealed to me about that passage was, how do I know that I'm not looking at a pruned bush or pruned branch or whatever? And what I mean by that is, it's possible that 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 the moment that I'm judging their life by their fruit their Christian walk, whatever. And I know I already started with the judging, so I'm like in the wrong here, but let's be honest, we all do it. How do I know that I'm not looking at someone that's being pruned currently by the Lord? So yeah, they might not have any fruit on their tree at the moment, but they're being pruned so they will produce more fruit in the future. Just kind of an interesting food for thought. But anyway, back to James, sorry. So James 16 is the one that I specifically want to point out here. And that says, What good is it when you say, go in peace, be warmed and well-fed without giving them anything for their physical needs? So the other day, uh, I was driving to a friend's house and there was a homeless guy on the side of the the stoplight and um, God kind of put it on my heart to give this man something or at least say something to him or brighten his day. I don't know, whatever. I had no plan moving forward. So I reached for my wallet and I grabbed my wallet and I realized I had no cash. Okay, so that idea is kind of busted a little bit. And I'm not like, I'm not a super proactive person when it comes to this. So I don't have like little goodie bags or whatever in my car set up for homeless people. That would be a great thing to do. And I just don't do it because I'm lazy. So that was like, all right, I can't really give him anything at this point. I don't have anything to give him. Like, I don't have any food in my car. I don't have any cash. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let me roll down my window and be like, hey, sir, like, how could I pray for you? And then this verse popped up in my head. And it was like, well, what good does that do? He's a homeless guy sitting on the side of a stoplight begging for money or for food or for whatever. What is, you know, that's basically me literally saying to him, you know, how can I pray for you? Like, go, go in peace, my brother. And then drive away like that doesn't do anything so i probably rolled my window back up because that (laughs) that wouldn't have been the right thing to do in that situation um and this is the philippians are are not doing that they're doing what they should be doing because they were supporting paul um through prayer but now they're also showing support through physical uh means and that's really cool that the philippians were were willing to do that 
and to put in that work and to send Epaphroditus. Um, because that's this is like not only a scary thing for Epaphroditus. We talked about this when we talked about Epaphroditus. Like making that journey is not an easy thing. The Philippian church in that day, like sending someone to Paul in prison, which is already kind of sketchy as it is, like there's probably a higher chance than you might think that Epaphroditus was not going to come back, which sucks for the believers in Philippi. And it also sucks for Epaphroditus because he might not be coming back to his, his body of believers. So this is like a huge sacrifice for the church to send um, a member of their congregation whom they love to Paul. And there's a lot of risk involved. So it's really, really awesome that they are showing this support for Paul in this way. And this is really what churches, our churches should be doing um, in terms of, it doesn't have to be, everybody thinks monetary support when they're like supporting missions and, and supporting churches and everything. And that's true. Like monetary support is a huge part of that. Um, and I encourage you, like the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Um, and if the Lord puts it on your heart to give to your church or give to missionaries, or whatever, like don't ignore that. That's a huge thing. People, um, people love that. I was talking to uh, the guy who leads crew at UMD. His name's RP. Well, we call him RP. His name's Ryan Penley, but we call him RP. Um, and he was like, I was kind of sharing with him that like, I, I don't really, I didn't grow up in a family where it was like, it's weird for him to live off people's donations. Uh, that's, it's weird to me that he does that. And he's like, I, I kid you not, the Lord just provides. Like, it's just, it just comes out of nowhere. And he was like, when I come up to people and ask for support, I was like, hey, do you want to partner with me in the fact that I'm preaching the word, that I'm bringing the gospel to people who either haven't heard it or have heard it and have rejected it, whatever it might be. Um, and if they say no, like, hey, that's on them. And I go somewhere else because he said, there are tons of people who are so eager to partner with the gospel because either they can't go themselves or they've worked very hard and now they have monetary funds to give to people to go out and do this. And it's like, it's really, really cool when people send missionaries off in that way and donate to them. But I was talking to someone and they were sharing with me that like one of the reasons that it's difficult for people to give to missions is because of the fact that there have been times in the past where people have given to missions and they got scammed or that mission didn't turn out to be what you thought it was. And then that deters you, right, from giving in the future. But anyway, so listen to the Lord when it comes to donations, monetary giving. But back to my main point, serving in the church, the church serving is not all about monetary giving. It could be so many other things. Um, so don't just focus on that. And it's 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 interesting that the, the Philippians were, um, they sent Epaphroditus with, it wasn't like they sent him with a sack of gold, like they sent him with gifts, they sent him with physical things. So Anyway, that's kind of just the the main thing that I wanted to that I wanted to say about that. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Christian now, and, and he can keep going in the passage. Yeah, so I think that Jonathan's really hitting the heart of this passage. That Paul is is going from town to town, and he's he sends letters to different churches at different times, asking for them to send money to him and to to allow um, him to continue to do his ministry. And Paul is not saying man, I have this need and I have this need and I have this need. Please send money to me. What he's saying is he's praising God that he has learned. Okay, let's let's put this into perspective. He's praising God that he has learned what it means to be without. He is thanking God for teaching him how he can live his life or, or continue his ministry without some of the things that may seem like, like uh, priority wants or even needs to him. And this reminds me of another passage in scripture where Jesus touches on this exact same thing. 
uh, toward the end, actually, I guess it's, it's uh, toward the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, he talks about God providing for us. And of course, God provides, most of us aren't reliant on God in the same way that Paul was. Paul was reliant, sort of like Jonathan's friend, was reliant on God for his entire living. He he didn't have a, a consistent source of income. He was hoping that churches would support him and that God would provide in that way. Now, there's a caveat to this conversation. Every single one of us is completely reliant on God at every single moment for a number of reasons. First, God is the sustainer of the universe. So if at any moment God decided to stop sustaining the universe, all of us would pop out of existence immediately. Second, every every uh, resource that we have, every dollar that we have, every bite that we eat, every breath that we take, all of that is granted to us by God. The energy to move every day is granted to us by God. So yes, we're all completely dependent on God every day in every way. But it's I think it's a different sort of dependence when you don't know what's coming next. It reminds me of the the Israelites after the Exodus, when God provided them manna. The way that God chose to provide them manna was by obviously raining bread down from heaven. And he did it every day. So what he told them was, you can go out in the morning and collect your manna for that day, but don't save any for the next day. Because if they did save manna for the next day, that manna would be rotten and it'd be gross because God wanted them to depend on him every day. So every night they went to sleep with no food in their tents, only to wake up the next morning and to eat some of the manna that God had provided for them. And in in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, we have that line, give us this day our daily bread. And to us, that doesn't have the same contextual connotation that it did to the people Jesus was teaching. When, When Jesus was asking God to give me this day my daily bread, he was invoking pictures of the Israelites having the manna. He was, he was saying to the people he was talking to, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you are asking God, everything I need to survive today and to accomplish the mission that you've set out before me, give it to me. But you're not asking him to provide you in abundance or to provide you in excess. You're asking him just to provide you for that day what you need to get through the day. And then he picks up this idea later in the same chapter, Matthew chapter six, when he is teaching not to be anxious. He talks about how, he, he actually, he's addressing people who are anxious about their life, about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear. And he points them to two different examples. He points them to the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And then he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he finishes off this section by saying, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. So I think that this is, this is a principle that we see in scripture that's actually kind of counterintuitive to what culture teaches us. And it's counterintuitive to a lot of our natural instincts. I know that personally, my natural instinct is to want to have everything planned out and to want to know what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen the day after that and know that I have the resources necessary to carry out whatever my plans may be. But in this example of Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching us the opposite. He's teaching us every day, lean into God, rely on him for what you need that day. Don't worry about what's coming the next day. Don't worry about 
how he's going to provide for you tomorrow. Because why would you be be angry at God for not providing for you tomorrow when he's providing for you today? If the Israelites went out after their after they finished eating their manna for the day and tried to collect more for the next day, and then they were angry at God saying, God, why is there no manna on the ground? How am I going to eat tomorrow if you don't give me what I need today? That would be ridiculous because God has promised that he will provide each day what they need. And if we go back to our Philippians passage, we see that Paul knows this. Paul recognizes this because he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And and Paul's not only talking about not having what's necessary for tomorrow. In some cases, Paul's even talking about not having what's necessary for today. Paul was in shipwrecks. Paul was beaten and stoned. Paul was mocked. Paul was, was abused. And he's thanking God for the situations that he's put him in. He's thanking God for any and every circumstance he's ever faced. Because he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So being a Christian does not mean that God is always going to provide. Being a Christian does not mean that you're going to be living on blessings, on blessings, on blessings, that you're going to be um, without fear, without, without need for the rest of your life. In fact, being a Christian is quite the opposite. Jesus promises that we're going to be persecuted. Jesus promises that we are not going to have the same comforts that the people of this world have because we're not chasing the same things that the people of this world are chasing. So I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I chasing what the world wants me to chase? Comfort and security and all of these things? Because I hate to break it to you. If you are seeking what the world can offer for your comfort and security, then you're going to have no comfort and security at all. Because ultimately, there's only one person who can provide that comfort and security for us. And that's Jesus Christ. And we see this when Jesus tells the parable of the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. Ultimately, your faith is only as strong as the source of your faith. So I can, I can have the most faith that I possibly can muster that this chair is going to hold me up. But if this chair has no screws, no structural integrity, and is going to collapse under the, the faintest breeze, then no matter how much faith I put in this chair, it's never going to hold me up. Whereas if I find a solid oak chair that's been standing for years and years and never had a problem, never had a question, and put my faith in that chair, then that chair is much more likely to hold me up than the other chair. So when we are living our lives, I want us not to ask the question, do I have enough for tomorrow? Do I have enough for the next day? Do I have enough for the next day? I want us to ask the question, and I think God points us to asking this question, who am I relying on for what I have today and for what I have tomorrow? Because if you're relying on the world to provide it for you, the economy might crash. There might literally be a global pandemic. Your, um, your job, your company might close. There, there's so many things that might change. There's so many things that are questionable, that are shaky, that could literally change in the blink of an eye tomorrow. Everybody listening to this podcast could have no income tomorrow. That, that's the, the sad reality of this world, because if we put all of our faith in what this world can provide, it's never going to be perfectly secure. The man who built his house on the sand when the winds and the wave came, no matter how good his foundation was, if his foundation was, was built into something that was going to break, going to move, going to shift, 
then his house was never going to stand in the first place. But if we put our faith in God, who is the owner of all things, we, we read in the book of James chapter one, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, I don't want us to just, just hear that because that's great. Because right after that, it tells us coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Brothers and sisters, God has created us. God is going to take care of us. But that's not taking care of us in the way that we might think. That's not taking care of us by always making sure there's a roof over our head and air conditioning in our house and um, a car that we can drive and plenty of food that we can eat. God might provide for us something that we don't we don't think is good in the moment. Because people often quote Romans 8.28, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose and say, see, God's going to do good things to me for the rest of my life. That's true. God is going to make sure that everything in your life works out for good. But the reality of that situation is that God's definition of good is very different than your definition of good. God's definition of good is that which brings about his glory. And sometimes suffering, sometimes persecution, Sometimes heartache is what brings about his glory. Pain brings about his glory. Just look at Jesus. The, the, the act that glorified God most was the atonement of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And that was the worst pain that anybody's ever experienced because not only was he facing the physical pain of the cross and the emotional pain of being made fun of, but he was experiencing the spiritual pain. He was literally experiencing billions of eternities worth of God's wrath to pay my way into heaven and your way into heaven. Sometimes pain is glorifying to God. So when we're living in this life, I want us not to root our ideas on what the world tells us is good. I want us to root our ideas on what God tells us is good. Because if you are seeking after God in everything that you do, you're seeking his will, then he is going to provide for you. He's going to give you good gifts. And you'll see that those good gifts, while they may not seem good to the people around you, you'll see the sweetness of them. Because back to the Matthew 6 chapter, uh, passage where Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end of that discussion about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are these things that it's referring to? Food, clothing, the things that you need to survive. If you are seeking God first, he will give you exactly what you need. It won't be in the same proportion as the world is giving. Of course, God's capable of giving in, in a much greater abundance than the world is capable of giving. But often God is glorified when his people go without because they're using the resources he has given them to push forward his glory in another area. God's people usually aren't buying Ferraris and Lamborghinis and big houses because they would rather take that money and put it for the glory of God in another area. So I want us to think about that as we read passages like this that talk about God providing. God is going to provide, but he's going to provide in a very different way than the world wants, uh, wants him to provide. The world sees provision as giving you more than enough, giving you everything you could ever need and satisfying the desires of your heart. God sees providing as giving you exactly what you need to live out the purpose he has called you to, 
and to accomplish everything that he has set before you. So look at your life right now. What situation does God have you in? How can you best glorify him in the situation that you're in? How can you seek him first? And then trust that he's going to provide to give you every opportunity to do that in every circumstance you're in. Yeah, Christian honestly covered it very, very well there. And I only want to add um, one thing specifically about these couple of verses where Paul talks about uh, being brought low and, and having abundance. Um, and this is something that we talked about in a Bible study that was in this past Monday. Uh, really interesting topic that we, that we talked about, which is when you're brought low, when you don't have what you think you need, your natural reaction as a Christian is to go to God about it, right? Like, Lord, what's going on? Like, I don't have the things that I need. And that brings you close. In a lot of regards, that brings you closer to God, right? Because you're spending more time with him now. And that's, I think Christian nailed it on the head when he said, a lot of times suffering is what God uses for his glory because sometimes we need some suffering to bring us close to the Lord. But the same thing that Paul talks about here, he says that in all circumstances, I have learned the secret And that's including the bad and the good. So the point I want to make here is when life's going good for you and you have the things that you need and you're living in abundance and the Lord has blessed you, you are still doing all things through Christ who strengthens you. So don't get to that point and be like, oh, like, Lord, you you brought me out of the low moments. Like, I can be content now because you've given me abundance uh, and I don't really need to do all things anymore through Christ who strengthens me because life is good. Like, you know, and that's when pride starts to sneak in. It's when you start thinking that you don't need the Lord anymore. And that's when the Lord's going to kick you in the butt. And I'm not saying that if you don't do that, the Lord's not going to kick you in the butt. Like he might still kick you in the butt anyway. What I'm saying is Paul is very specific here when he says in all circumstances, I can do all things through, through big word here, Christ who strengthens me. And that means the good and the bad. The times of low, the times of high, the times of having nothing, the times of being in abundance. Christian brought it up. Paul knows what it's what it's like to be in, in a low moment. Um, I was reading through Acts today just to kind of get some context behind where Paul has been brought low. And Christian brought up the fact that he was stoned. I mean, he was stoned so sufficiently that they thought he was dead when they dragged him out of the city. And that's like, and when you stone somebody and then you check that you're dead, you're probably going to be like, yeah, they're they're pretty dead. So they really thought he was dead. And so Paul was, by today's standards, down bad, honestly. Um, and then I read further. And so that was like a physical time where Paul was brought low. And then I think I found a time where emotionally Paul was also brought low because of the Barnabas situation. So I haven't really thought about this before, but... Paul, when he first came to the believers in Antioch, they didn't want to see him. They were avoiding him. And Barnabas was the one that brought Paul before them. And as a witness, told them the things that Paul had told Barnabas about the fact that Jesus had met him uh, on the road to Damascus. And basically, Barnabas was like the, the liaison, if you will, between Paul and the believers in Antioch and kind of like bridged that gap between the hate that they had for Paul because of the the situations that Paul had been bringing upon them in the past. And Paul and Barnabas became great friends. They did ministry together. They suffered together. They saw the Lord work together. They brought people to Christ together, all kinds of things. And then we see uh, a little bit later in Acts that they have a dispute. 
that Barnabas wants to bring Mark. Paul doesn't want to bring Mark and they break up, right? They, you know, they break up. They're not dating. That's not what I meant by break up, but um, <laughs> sorry. So, but that like, really think about the context behind that. Barnabas is Paul's probably like best buddy, best friend. Like you are my brother in Christ. Like I tell you everything. And then that gets, that gets taken away. And then I started reflecting upon, okay, like what situations in my life have I gone through with one of my best friends now? There was a time in high school where like I was really, really mad at him for doing something. And it took us a while to get through that. Um, I was thinking about two of my roommates right now are fighting. They're, they're going through something and how much that sucks. And so like that's another area where that had to suck for Paul. That had to be awful. So Paul knows what it's like to be brought low and he knows how to be in abundance. And he's saying that, through Christ, I can go through all these things. But don't forget me in the good. I love the movie, The Facing of the Giants. This is one of my favorite movies. And one of, their, one of the great quotes in there is, we praise him when we lose and we praise him when we win. So it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, whether you're low or you're in abundance, you better be praising him because all good things, all perfect gifts come from above. And that's just kind of one point that I wanted to make. So, so wherever you are in life, go to God pretty simple thing, but we often forget it, especially when we're in times of abundance. Yeah. So I think that we have done a, a decent job of showing how Philippians 4.13, it does mean what it says, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But when it talks about doing all, thing, all things through Christ, what it's saying is we can be in abundance and worship Christ, or we can be in need and worship Christ. And both of them are glorifying to God. It's not that when I'm doing good, that shows that Jesus is loving me and doing good things to me. When I'm doing bad, that shows that I hurt Jesus and now he's trying to punish me. No, sometimes God puts bad circumstances into your life to bring about his glory. And if we have a kingdom mindset, if we have an eternal mindset, if we are looking and trying to figure out how every circumstance can be brought back to God's glory, then sometimes we can see some things that would otherwise go missed. And just the awesome truth that we know that we have a God who is with us in the highs and the lows, and he's with us. He's even near to the brokenhearted as we read in his word. So whether you're in a season of abundance right now or a season of, of sadness or a season of transition or whatever season you're in, worship God in that season. Don't wish it away. Don't, don't look around and, and just say, oh, if only I was this person, if only I had this going on, if only I was still young, if only I was uh, finally able to drive, if only I was any of these things. Look at the season you're in, worship God and give him the glory that he deserves based on this season. And then next season, when things change, worship him again. Every season helps us to, to find a different attribute of God that we lean into. Sometimes when it's a situation out of your control, you lean into God's sovereignty. Sometimes when it's a situation of abundance, you lean into God's love and his blessing. Sometimes when it's a season where you just don't know what to do, you lean into God's his, his omniscience, the fact that he knows all things. So allow every season you're in to help increase your view of God and worship him more. I think that Paul wrote this passage to the Philippians to give them that exact message, to give them the message that wherever you are, you can worship God in that moment. You can see him in the lows and see him in the highs because none of the Philippians had probably had lows as low as Paul's but they probably hadn't had highs as high as Paul's either. So 
Paul was telling them if he could live based on the highs and the lows and worship God in every moment, then we can do the same thing. And in the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, his first letter, he said, rejoice always, give thanks in every circumstance. This is a man who's gone through so much and he's telling us to always rejoice and to give thanks in every circumstance. So wherever you are right now, whatever you're going through, you can do the same thing. You can rejoice and give glory to God. Thank him for where you are. Thank him for the pain. Thank him for the joy. Thank him for the relationships. Thank him for the memories. Thank him for the love that he shows you every day. So we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Philippians has been such a great book to us. <laughs> it's been so, so good. God's word is glorious. And every, every week, it seems like we get a, a passage that's glorious in just a slightly different way than the last passage. But I really love this passage. It's one that's near and dear to my heart. And we're getting close to the end, close to the end of Philippians. And then we're going to, I don't know, we, we don't have a plan for that yet. We might return to topical podcasts. Uh, but definitely, if you guys have any, any questions, any topics you'd love to hear, send those to us. If you guys send us a topic that you'd like to hear, Max and Jonathan will record it next week. We want to be serious about helping you guys in your journeys, helping you guys to understand how you can worship God more, how you can glorify him better in your life, and how you can build a stronger relationship with him. So if you guys have any questions or comments or violent objections, you guys can reach us uh, an email at Max, Jonathan, or Christian at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also reach us on Facebook or Instagram at livingvictorypodcast. If you guys want to help support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do that. First, you can go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating or review. If you do that, it helps get more eyes and ears on the podcast, and it allows us to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out there to more people, more ears around the world. Because we don't do this for us. We, we say it every week, but we really want to emphasize this. This podcast exists so we can glorify God more. We figured that as three college students, the best way for us to glorify God is to spend an hour a week recording this podcast in addition to the many other things we're doing. But we wanted to record this podcast to help share the wisdom he has given us to you guys so that you guys can live lives that are glorifying to him. So thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are awesome. Coming back every single week. We love you and we thank you. And as always, love each other and shine your light.